We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And Oladipo wants it again. Approaching two minutes to play. With What is going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace on PacersTalk.net. I'm your host for tonight's show, Alex Golden. And joining me, as always, on our Wednesday show is the great Michael J. Focci. Focci, how you feeling, brother? Alex, this is exactly what the doctor recommended. The Pacers needed this win so bad, we all needed it. The Pacers responded tonight, becoming just the second team in NBA history to lose by 35 or more and then win by 35 or more the next night. I was impressed. Absolutely. You know, Fachi, I'm sitting here watching this game and I didn't even feel nervous. Like somebody's like, you think the Pacers are going to win this game? I'm like, you lose by 46 points and you don't respond to that. That tells you all you need to know about this team and the heart they play with. I had zero, honestly, I had zero doubts about this game. I don't think Charlotte's good at all. And I just thought the Pacers team was going to come looking for some, you know, I don't know what the correct word is. I guess not revenge, but I guess they were looking just to prove themselves that they're a better team than what they've been playing like. And you just look at the numbers all across the board. You're just so happy to see the way the guys played. This was a sacrifice tonight. The Hornets were sacrificed to the Pacers. The Pacers needed it so bad. They pounced on the Hornets 
from the start, never let up. I mean, you started thinking, are we going to win this game by 50? I mean, that is not what you would have thought just a couple hours ago. You know, everybody, Alex and I were going to record this podcast before the game and then do a little bit after the game. And the the vibe, the mood, whatever you want to call it, would have been completely different than it is right now because now I know I can go into work tomorrow with a little pep in the step. Right. Well, I think the biggest thing we have to discuss here is not only did the Pacers come out and go to the half up by 25 points, they came out in the third quarter and just completely did not let off the gas. And it was beautiful to see because they outscored Charlotte 25-11 to in that third quarter, increasing the lead from 25-39, to and they end up tying 25-25 in the fourth. So Bill Baino, you see him come on and talk with Jeremiah Johnson. He said, we need to do exactly what the Raptors did to us. Don't take our foot off the gas, you know, keep that foot down on the, the their necks and just take this team and put them to bed. And that's exactly what the Pacers did. I mean, I was expecting a win. I did not expect a 39-point win, Fachi. Neither did I. I mean, this is a Pacers team that had I just basically started games very flat, digging the team in a hole. For instance, you know, the first two games following the All-Star break, Pacers had just 27 total points in the first quarter. Tonight, they scored 35 points in the first. They, they never let up, just as you mentioned. They played a complete four quarters of basketball tonight, and it showed. Because, Alex, I felt like it's not like they did so much stuff differently tonight. I just felt like the players came out hungry, motivated. They were probably embarrassed. You know, I well, heard that Nate McMillan... Been. They should have been, and Nate McMillan made them watch the first three quarters of that game, and I think they were probably disgusted with themselves. That that Toronto game was probably the worst Pacer game I've ever seen. I know it was the second biggest loss in franchise history. I, I didn't see the first one. I think it was quite a while ago. It was uh, in the 70s, decades, I, I believe. Exactly. Didn't see that one. This game, That game was miserable. Tonight, this was a team that responded and answered the call. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to make all of your all of your fans sit there and watch that game, the least you can do as a player is go back and watch it. And it should make you mad. And I think you look at the numbers tonight, Sabonis, 8 of 10. T.J. Warren, 9 of 12. Malcolm Brogdon, 6 of 8. Justin Holliday, 6 of 12. You know, all those, uh, Samson, Jakar Samson, 5 of 7. All those guys shoot over 50% from the field, and that's exactly what you needed. I mean, we needed Brogdon to kind of break out of a slump, and hopefully this is the start of something good for the rest of March because, you know, we're, we're getting close to March, and I think uh, if he can get going for that whole month heading into the playoffs, we'll be completely fine. Uh, T.J. Warren has been really good all season long. Same for Sabonis, but, you know, as good as the offensive numbers are, Fachi, I think it all started tonight with the defense of Miles Turner. The way he set the tone for that game defensively, getting eight blocks in the game overall. Anybody that came in that paint, like you said, it was on lockdown because Miles had locked it up, baby. So I absolutely love the way the Pacers played defensively as well in this game. Loved it. Miles Turner just established a tone from the beginning. I mean, he he had four blocks within the first few minutes of the game. Just kept rejecting shot after shot. Uh, like I said, I wanted to just metaphorically see him chuck a bunch of keys in the crowd saying, you know, this is it. It's been locked up. All right. Because <laughs> Miles Turner, it, it was people were thinking twice 
and he was sending them back, only fitting he gets the career high eight blocks tonight. I started getting greedy. I started watching saying, you know what, maybe this is the triple-double night for Miles Turner. You know, he ended up not getting that, but that's just us getting greedy because he played just quite a game defensively, and the, the Pacers – it went a long way in it. It's not just an offensive game. This game is played on two different sides, and Miles Turner was elite on the defensive side tonight. Oh, absolutely! And look at the rebounding totals. I mean, ten for Miles, fifteen from Sabonis. This is how it should be every every single game. Both those guys should be in double figures, and it's all about effort, aggressiveness. I mean, just the way Miles is attacking the glass. You know, as far as getting rebounds, the way he was protecting the rim. You saw a different pep in his step, and mm-hmm. I absolutely loved it. He's talking to guys after they come in the paint. He's blocking their shot like, are you serious? Why are you coming in here on me? Do you not know who I am? You know, the Martin brothers have no fear, and they just continue to get embarrassed by Miles <laughs> Turner at the rim. But I, I was just as impressed with the rebounding as well. I mean, uh, Sabonis and Turner both, like I said, in double digits. Malcolm Brogdon had eight, I believe it was, uh, actually six. And, uh, you know, it was just one of those games where you just felt like the team collectively was clicking on all all cylinders. And that's exactly what you needed. It's not going to be like this every game. But if you want to talk about the offense a little bit, ball movement, Fachi, team assist. At, at one <laughs> point, I think they said they were tied for a season high with 35. Did they end up getting one more? No, they no, ended they up didn't. with 35, but even at, at, at halftime, I think they had like 22, which I believe was maybe the most they had in any half this season. I mean, the Pacers really came to play. We didn't even touch fully on the rebound differential because the Pacers had rebound on the Hornets by 18. I mean, this was just a game that across the board, the Pacers came to play. When you're talking about Miles Turner, you could see the confidence. You could see when he was involved, he was taking pride. He wanted to block physically everything and just be active. You could see the difference that when he's involved. I mean, this was a game that, that the guys, they just responded. TJ Warren started the game 7 of 7 from the field. I mean, really set the tone. Hey, if only he could play Charlotte every time because <laughs> he has been killing his hometown Hornets. But, I mean, we're seeing McDermott slam down dunks. Jakar just, I mean, when called Dunk upon. Show. I mean, he, he had the halftime interview saying, whenever I know I'm going to play it and that, you know, I'm ready. Like, that's just a guy. It means a lot more when he knows he's going to be involved. Hey, so, I got to ask tonight, you, Fachi. Jakar said, every time I know I'm playing, I'm juiced up. What are, juiced up. What are the odds that he gets tested? For PED, yeah, tomorrow. It, could, it, it could be you're talking about you're talking about a guy who dropped ten tonight. You know, he, NBA could be like I don't know if that's the Jakar I know. Well, he said he but, was juiced up. You know what juice? He means, was juiced so. exactly. Exactly, they could be coming for him. He could have that envelope in his locker room already waiting for him. Oh, I love it. I love it. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Continue. No, no, no. I was just saying this was an. I mean, look, come on. This is the Hornets that are the lowest in the league in points per game. However, what the Pacers did is they held the Hornets to the fewest amount of points the Pacers have held to anyone all season. That's just 80 points. That's yeah. that's throwback NBA right there. I mean, 80 points, you're not beating anyone in this league. Yeah, and I mean, you can look at the Hornets and be like, okay, this team is probably more so in tank mode than they are anything else. But that still does not mean that they're going to go out there and just willfully lose by 39 points. Like, even during the trust the process Sixers era, like, they at least played hard for a majority of the game. Like the Hornets had no chance. They just ran into an angry Pacers team 
And it's funny, Fachi, because even though we out-rebounded them, they still beat us by six on the offensive glass. And, and what's funny is they had eight more shot attempts, the Hornets did in the Pacers in this game, but we had 18 more made baskets than the Charlotte Hornets, which is just wild. I mean, they only really had 31, is. we had 49. So uh, when you shoot 57% from the field, 43.5% from three, you're going to win most of your games. And I want to ask you, Fachi, they got up, it looks like 23 three-point attempts. Is that enough in your book? <laughs> it's not, but they <laughs> shot a good percentage. I mean, they end the game 10 of 23, but realistically, it was way better. It was 9 of 18 at one point. I mean, the Pacers were just taking care of business in this game. So 23 threes on a night like tonight against a, a very poor offensive Hornets team, yeah, it was enough. Uh, interesting that Devontae Graham was just – scratched before the game i thought that was interesting you're saying they were I, exactly because they said they were quote resting him this is a second year player uh, on a bad team i don't know what what the rest is for are you gonna come out and try and <laughs> you know lock down the 14th spot in, in the Easter? you know what are you going for i mean they didn't want to confidence they knew this pacers team was angry exactly well i'm glad that they managed to spare him but the rest of the team did not fare well and just inside, there's just something that liked me see T- Terry Rozier just have a horrible game. It just oh, it gave me that glimpse alone. of I I can't I gotta bring him in just this in this moment because that's like what could have been. And I was like, oh god, it's gross. You know, yeah, yeah. I didn't want any part of that. <laughs> well, to make you feel a little bit better, points in the paint, sixty two, Charlotte thirty four. Funniest stat on this entire thing. Largest lead, Pacers 43, Hornets 2. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, it's it's what it had to be. because And they're lucky they even got that two-point lead because the Pacers never even led against the Raptors. So, yeah. you know, what a, what, a, what a turnaround in just uh, 48 hours. Well, and I tell you, like, when I was trying to recap the game against uh, Toronto on, on, on Sunday night, all I could do was laugh because I'm just like, who yeah. in the who 46? Like, what are you supposed to say? Like, it's just a bad loss all over, like all around. Like, you can't blame everybody on anything. But uh, in the same way with this win, it's like you win by 39. Like, I just want to laugh the whole time because it's just like, how does this happen? You know, how can one team play so bad one night, come back the next night and play just as awesome? It's so un unreal. And you know, I had Shea Oron from PacersTalk.net on our last episode, and he mentioned it. He said ball movement is something the Pacers have to do a better job, and that's why I brought it up. 35 assists, that is exactly the way this Pacers team has to win games because they don't have a star player, and they have to all work together and put up good numbers to beat any team they play in the playoffs. And uh, that's the only recipe for success is to continue to play together and not rely upon one or two guys to carry you the whole time. You can't because, as you mentioned, without having a star player, we don't know who that basket is coming from when we need it most. I mean, the Pacers need to be able to have a balanced approach of just five or six guys scoring in double figures. Tonight, they end up with six guys in double figures. Aaron Holiday had nine, so would have made seven, and that's a game where there's no Jeremy Lamb, no Victor Oladipo, and what was kind of a little bit of a bummer, no Edmund Sumner, because I felt like this was an opportunity for him to get some minutes Yeah, uh, in a game where even Brian Bowen played four minutes. I mean, Sumner, I, I think he could have logged uh, some, some decent little minutes here tonight, and it would have been a nice opportunity to see him. 
Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we will talk about the injuries to both Oladipo and Sumner, how the Pacers went about uh, trying to figure out the rotation without both those two guards with Lamb's injury. And, of course, we need to discuss the Jeremy Lamb injuries. We'll be right back. All righty, everybody, we are back. Fachi, uh, before we jump into how the Pacers did tonight with the rotation with no Oladipo, no Lamb, and no Sumner, I want to touch on the injury to Jeremy Lamb. So Jeremy Lamb uh, is out for the remainder of the season and the start of next year, too. Uh, it's going to be a long process. Uh, it looks like a torn meniscus, torn ACL, and a broken femur, partially broken femur, it looks like. So he was at the game tonight supporting the guys, but... You know, just a devastating injury, and it really hurts the depth of this Pacers team heading into the playoffs. It really does. I mean, we obviously know in the beginning of the year, Jeremy Lamb was playing some great basketball. Overall, I felt like he was starting to adapt to that uh, that six-man, you know, second-unit role. Um, we saw in his first two games off the bench, he was shooting over 50%. It was a small sample size. I think it was only about four games off the bench. Off the bench. But uh, I felt like it was a role he could have grown into and excelled at. And now we're not going to get to see that for this year. And Alex, I know you mentioned my, you know, part of next year. There's not a guarantee that he even plays next year overall. I yeah. mean, this is uh, this is a full year injury that's basically taking place in March. That's if he doesn't receive any any setbacks. But you're also talking about the fracture, the torn meniscus. This isn't your typical ACL injury. Yeah. That I don't know. A safe bet could be. Maybe Jeremy Lamb returns around April of next year. I really do think this could be over a year. And it comes at just a wrong time because you get Oladipo back, but he's, now he's battling the back injury. Ah, the depth, that, that was that was the pace of strength coming into the year. And right now, they're pretty thin at that two-guard spot. I mean, they oof, I don't know how we're going to fill this out. Well, let me talk about Lamb for a second because there's a mm-hmm. couple things I want to touch upon. And it's going to get a little serious here, so I do apologize. But number one, like, this injury is devastating for the Pacers. But you got to look at Lamb's contract. It's it's very tradable. And he's got he signed a three-year deal when, he, when we signed him this summer. He's probably, like you said, going to miss, if not the majority, all of next year, which means he'll be an expiring contract when he comes back fully from the injury. Will he ever be the same? That is a serious question. We do not know. And one thing that we do know about Jeremy Lamb is he's a decent defender. Uh, uh, he can create his own shot. He can hit the three at, uh, on occasion. He's not great at anything, but he's good at some things. And, you know, I think a lot of people were wondering, hey, could Jeremy Lamb be somebody the Pacers, you know, move in a, in a deal this summer to bring in somebody that might make more sense for this team? Uh, packaging him with somebody, you know, depending on what they do. I just don't know if he is really tradable now. And that is really hard to say because I don't want to be insensitive to the injury because it, it, it stinks for the Pacers to not have him. And it stinks that as a man that's 27, 28 years old, has 26, maybe I forget how old he is, but he, he has to deal with this type of injury at this point in his career. But as far as, you know, if you're looking at this from a general manager standpoint, if you were looking at Lamb as being a possible trade asset, what team is going to trade for a guy coming off an injury like this when he still has two years left on his deal? Even though it's not an expensive contract, uh, this this just makes the Pacers, uh, puts them in a different position than they thought they might have been come summertime because 
there there's still a move or two to be made. They have the mid-level exception next year. They're going to have to really think long and hard about what they do with Justin Holiday's contract because he's going to be probably a little bit more expensive than they want to want to admit. And, you know, this is a good opportunity for Aaron Holiday to get those minutes and, and, and develop and grow as a player and build his stock up and, and trade asset-wise. But I'm just saying, and I'm not trying to be insensitive, so please don't take this the wrong way. I am just worried that, you know, if they were thinking about moving him, I think that that's a very slim chance now with this injury, Faji. This contract is unmovable for at least the next year. I, I, don't, I don't know if think it's anyone, unmovable. I just, it's going to be hard, though. It's going to be hard, but you're talking about a Pacers team that traded their first-round pick to Milwaukee. I mean, True. you're not going to want to strap a pick to Jeremy Lamb just to get rid of him. So it gets very complicated because I don't think anyone's really looking to take this contract on until he's willing to return and potentially be healthy, and we don't know what he's going to look like moving forward. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who he's not a star. He was averaging 12.5 points. What if he just doesn't have the opportunity to regain his spot on the team? I mean, not to, not to compare it to Andre Roberson, but think about that. Roberson yeah. was a key member of the Thunder, averaging right around 10 points per game. He actually hasn't even played since. It's been about two years. His injury, I think, it lingered a lot longer, but he completely lost his spot. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, I, I think with it only being two years that it's still semi-movable. I mean, you see a guy like Chandler Parsons, a $25 million, get traded multiple times. So, you know, and he's never been healthy. So, I'm not saying it's not movable, but I think if you were hoping that it would be a, a, a somewhat of a plus, it's really just going to be a salary throw-in if exactly. the Pacers end up trading. Like, for example, not saying it, but if they were going to trade Aaron Holiday and the returning contract they wanted was about $10 million, well, those contracts don't match up. If they wanted to throw Jeremy into that trade to get the player back, that would make sense. And so that's all I'm trying to say is, like, yeah. it's going to be more of a – like a uh, uh, salary throw-in than he is going to be some type of asset. And honestly, like it is what it is. I just I know the Pacers are going to be in a little bit of a bind here because you mentioned it. They don't have a pick this year. And so as much as we like the wings, it's going to be different. So let's talk about tonight's game here a little bit again, Foch. No Victor Oladipo, no Edmund Sumner. Aaron Holiday gets the start. Now they move Justin Holiday into the two-spot and play Jakar Sampson at that power forward position. Uh, we saw a little bit of Goga in there, but mostly Sabonis uh, was with that second unit in the first half and a little bit in the third to start the fourth. Are you okay with, you know, with both Sumner and Oladipo out playing Justin at that two and then put, bringing Jakar off the bench as that four? I think that Jakar has earned more minutes. I mean, tonight yeah. he played 19 minutes. He doesn't need to be playing 19 minutes all the time. But this is a guy who we've mentioned. It feels like he's always ready when called upon, but goes just so long without playing. I mean, sometimes we see him insert in the starting lineup and then doesn't play for 10 games. On a night like tonight, he showed, like, hey, when you need me, I'll be there. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be there when called upon. And he delivered. I, I thought... To end the first quarter, he had this awesome breakaway dunk that he slammed like four seconds left. And it was just, you saw the hustle in him. And every team needs that just scrappy hustle guy. And he doesn't try and do too much. I mean, he keeps it to pretty much just dunks. So, you know, he's he's playing it smart. So I'm all right with, with giving Jakar 
you know, more minutes at the backup four role. And Justin Holiday, I mean, he's we've talked about before just how he's exceeded expectations this year. So any anytime he's needs to take on a bigger role, I, I got faith in him. I mean, sixteen points yeah. tonight, six of twelve shooting. Hey, bring it on. Yeah, and I mean, it's not like Justin's never played the two guard. That's what he played mm-hmm. a lot last season if he wasn't playing even some point guard. So we know he's a very versatile player. He does whatever the coaching staff asks him to do. Now, let me ask you this, because this is probably more of a tricky question. If Sumner's healthy, would you rather Sumner play the two and Justin play the four, or Justin play the two and Jakar play the four? I think I like Justin at the two and Jakar at the four. Sumner, like, we're, we're being hopeful that, like, hey, if he's on... He'll be good, but we don't know if he's just going to consistently just be on. I got more faith in Justin and Jakar at this point than I do with Edmund Sumner at the two and then Justin at the four. Yeah, I think I would tend to agree with that. I think a lot of it would come down to matchup purposes and, Mm -hmm. you know, what the other team's rolling out there because I don't like Sumner's three-point shot. I think it's very Mm -hmm. inconsistent. I I love the hustle, the length that he plays with. You know, but Jakar just brings something different. He's uh he's got a little bit more energy as far as, you know, just getting pumped and like we mentioned in the first segment, juiced up. Juiced so up. yeah, so it, i like Jakar, but let me ask you this. If both Sumner and Oladipo are gonna be out for an extended period of time, do you look at, at possibly cutting your guy Alize or, you know, I don't oh. know if they'll cut T J or not, but to bring somebody else in? Would you would I, you look at making a move to bring another two guard uh, in, Fachi? That that's the thing. If you're gonna cut someone, I feel like Alize unfortunately could be that guy only because TJ Leaf's got next year guaranteed. Yeah, but that's exactly I, I it. feel exa- and that's the only reason why I feel like they keep him, even if he's expiring. I, th- I think he's got more trade value than than would like a, a um, an Alize Johnson. But I do kind of feel like if this Oladipo and Sumner injury is going to linger, then I do think you have to bring someone in. Because while the Pacers played good tonight, guys, they, I don't think they just flipped some switch and they're just good to go moving forward. This was like a tune-up game. This is like a boxer's dream before a big fight, you know, to get the confidence up. So I, I do think that the Pacers might have to be able be willing to explore other options. I don't want that to come at the expense of Alizé Johnson. I, I think TJ Leaf has had the opportunities in the past, and I think we know he's not going to turn the corner. Yeah, well, let me ask you then. Is it time to call an old friend? If you're talking about the friend whose jersey I'm currently wearing, then Alex, I think we at least need to stay in touch and, and you know see uh, if there's interest on both sides. Because I feel like on Lance's side, he was sending some cryptic images the other day, you know, some signs, basically letting him know, hey, Indiana, I'm one call away. You know, this is my mood. Everybody's trying to break down the the signs on the on the, on the road and in the, in the background. Like, Where is he? Where is he? I mean, it, you could see just the love for Lance and the fan base when everyone's like desperately trying to find out what his specific location is. You know, that's just awesome to see. That's a fan favorite right there. Right. So, are you in? Are you in favor of bringing Lance back I, at at all cost? If the cost is TJ Leaf. I am in, and you can sign me up right now. I'll actually reach into my pocket, and I'll pay some of Lance's contract myself, and okay. you can put that on print, all right? I'll do it. 
<laughs> what about Alize, your boy? Uh, I love me some Alize. I, I'd rather not speak on this topic, but what I will say is I want Lance Stevenson back on this team. Now, look, guys, he's not going to fix everything like a Band-Aid or anything. I mean, this is a guy who brings great energy. I think he ups the – he's like that that guy who you need one of those. I don't want to say like um, – just a guy who's not going to take any nonsense. He's going to ruffle some feathers. The yeah. Pacers need that. I, I think they need like, – what is this team's identity right now? I That's a good question. <laughs> Do they know? I, They don't have one. They don't have one. And I think at times it shows – when yeah. Lance was there, I mean, everybody goes back to the infamous you signed Lance Stevenson in that game against the Raptors a couple years ago where he's just straight up ruffling feathers. I mean, guys were pissed at him. He's getting the ball chucked at him, and he just doesn't care. And the crowd loved it. I mean, that was just something where the Pacers went on a run. And look, you can't bottle lightning, you know, two or even three times. That's a once in like a – you know, it just happens every so often. So I don't know if the magic will happen again. But I do think, given the injuries right now, if they're long-term, Lance Stevenson can help this team. Okay, well, let let me get off the Lance train just for a second to play GM here and look at some other possible shooting guard wing free agents that could be available. Um, I'm just going to run through the list of guys that I think would may, maybe get a phone call. Uh, first... Uh, Ian Clark, that's somebody that we know played with, I believe, Golden State for a while. His last stop was in New Orleans. Uh, Jamal Crawford's a name that comes up. I think he's too old. I'm going to keep going down here. Uh, A former Pacer that was released by the Denver Nuggets earlier this year after a trade went down, Gerald Green. It was recently with Houston, had a good little stint there. Uh, He's a pretty good shooter. I know you want to get that shooting up. I think that he could help spread the floor. He's athletic enough defensively where I think he might make a little bit more sense. If you're looking at that, I don't know how much people really care about him that much. Uh, let's keep going down here a little bit more. Dion Waiters is a name that's out there. Now, how many of you guys like Dion Waiters? I don't think a lot of None people of us. do. But, None of us. Uh, I mean, it would be funny just to keep him away from the Lakers and join the Clippers and getting all the players the Lakers want. Uh, another former Pacer, Fachi, C.J. Miles is available, uh, but I wouldn't go anywhere near him. Uh, uh, David Mwaba, he recently played with Brooklyn. I think he's somebody that's actually a little bit underrated. And let's see, is that that's? Oh, uh, then lastly, uh, the only one that really makes sense to me is Amon Shumpert. Uh, we saw him last year a little bit, not great, but he's a good he's a good wing defender, and you know might be able to add some depth. And that's only if we are unsure of you know when Oladipo and or. Sumner come back because I just think they might need some wing wing depth because I just don't want to rely on uh, our guy Mitru Long or Bowen at all uh, in a playoff series. No, I mean Mitru Long and uh, Brian Bowen they're not ready for the big stage yet. It was awesome to see Brian Bowen out there today playing with some confidence. But back to the list that you mentioned. Look, they're not the sexiest names. I want nothing to do with Dion Waiters. I just feel like he's <laughs> he's flaming out right now, and I don't think he realizes how big of an opportunity he's blowing. Amon Shumpert, I, I think this is the end of Shumpert. I don't know if he plays in the NBA again. We saw him with the Brooklyn Nets earlier this year, and it, it just wasn't good. I don't think there's enough left there. 
A name that you didn't mention is J.R. Smith, and I could just never imagine it in Indiana. Well, that's I just why can't. I didn't mention it. I'm sorry. I, I just, yeah, I, I, I just couldn't. But, I saw. Yeah, I, I just I kept either. scrolling. Jonathan Simmons was the name I left off too. Okay, I mean, I, I, I think Jonathan Simmons would fit a team better than J.R. Smith right now, unless you're like the Lakers. Right. But a- anyway, uh, some of the other names I know you mentioned: Ian Clark. Yeah, pretty good. C.J. Miles. He can stroke the three ball, but. Right now, none of those names are really jumping off the page. And, guys, let's be honest. While we love Lance, he's not a good three-point shooter either. So yeah. it's not it's not like we're just flooded in two-guard options right now. Um, so it, it's really tough. You kind of hope that help comes from within in terms of Aaron Holiday and then maybe if you can get Sumner to be healthy. I kind of like that option right there. If, if the Pacers happen to sign Lance, I would never file a complaint. All right. Yeah. Uh, I'd be fine with that. Names that I mentioned, do you think any of them are better fits than Lance? I don't. I don't, though, because you're talking about Lance has at least played under Nate McMillan before. That's fair. Like, he so he's played under McMillan. We're not going to say he's played with these Pacers before because you're really talking about like Sabonis and Turner and Victor Oladipo. Like, I mean, he knows enough of the organization. Yeah, exactly. He knows enough, and he's played with the the core pieces of this team. So there's just enough from from a, a management standpoint that there's a familiarity with Lance, and right. the crowd would love it. You know, you obviously hear people on Twitter talking about selling tickets. Sure, yes, Lance would definitely sell tickets, but Pacers aren't in the business of selling tickets. They're in the business of winning, and I, I think that he could be able to help both of those categories. No, and I, I agree with you. I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, the emotional fan side of you wants to see Lance back in a Pacers uniform just because you love the guy. He's so much yep. fun. And I'm like, you know, the fan side of me is like, oh, how much fun would Jakar and Lance be out there together running pick and rolls <laughs> and just like just, you know, beating up on teams when, you know, the game's not on the line. But at the same time, I also think about, uh, the guy's getting frustrated with Lance because he's too worried about making a flashy pass or playing air guitar mm-hmm. to get back on defense. Like the antics are what make makes Lance Lance, but at the same time, it's also what drives Nate McMillan absolutely crazy. So it is. It would be shocking to me if the organization was just like, "Hey, we got to bring back Lance because we're so thin on guards." And McMillan's like, "God, why? Anybody, please, can we bring up? Yeah, Jones? can we bring up Bowen? Like, because uh, I just don't think McMillan is a huge Lance fan, and I don't think it's necessarily the way he plays. I just think it's the the antics that come with Lance. Mm-hmm. And maybe, I mean, maybe Lance would calm down a little bit if he. Uh, I think it would. Maybe, but at the same time, we thought that the last time. But it's we almost need someone to bring in energy. Before this win, the Pacers just felt dead. And it was kind of like it was not as fun to watch them as it had been over the, over the last couple months. Like you, you came into like February thinking, oh, you got the seven-game home stretch. This is going to be an awesome time for the Pacers to get their chemistry back with the depot, fully healthy going into the All-Star break. And they lost six games before they beat the Bucks. So it was it was hard, and then they come back, barely beat the Knicks, get beat by forty six. You're like, that break didn't do anything, and the, the Pacers needed that butt kicking from Toronto to wake them up. And, and honestly, you know, the Lance hype train will probably have to calm down now a little bit since the Pacers won by thirty nine mm-hmm. tonight. But yes. I, I still think that it's okay to be a fan and want to watch Lance because Lance is fun and Lance is awesome. And I know I'm probably rambling too long here about it, but Fachi, if they, like you said, if they bring Lance back, I'm not going to be mad about it. 
but at the same time, uh, I'm not going to sit over here and like jump off a table screaming for Lance to come back because I don't think he's the savior of this Pacers no. team. He's not. This will not be a Pacer sign Lance or we riot situation that we see on Twitter. I mean, look, yes, we know the good with the bad, but we've also seen, you know, McMillan get very frustrated when Lance throws a bad pass and he's just laying on the court for like an extended period where the play's still going on. We've seen the good with the bad. He's not going to solve it all. But, you know, when you're talking about that Raptors game, Alex, that game was so miserable. I kid you not. I started to clean my room while watching that game because I thought, you know what, I, I, I need to be productive or something. It was like, <laughs> I can't just watch this team be getting slaughtered and I'm just sitting here like, yeah, give me some more. You know, yeah. like, It was like, let me straighten up a little bit and uh, that'll ease the cushion of this loss or speed it up. But with Lance in a situation like that, yeah, maybe it could have provided a little bit of fun. But I think it's going to die down a little bit with a win tonight because – if the Pacers had lost, I mean, they would have just kind of pinned it on. Like, we need a change right now. Well, you know what? The Pacers needed to come out more motivated. And that's what they did tonight. They did make the change. Yeah. And I don't know how long it will last, but they did tonight. Well, they get another chance Thursday night against the Portland Trailblazers on TNT. So that'll be a cool time for them to get some uh, get some public eyes watching them. And I would be surprised if Oladipo – see, this is my thing with Oladipo's injury – I felt like the reason that the Pacers started Aaron Holiday over Jeremy Lamb in that game against Toronto was because they believe Oladipo would be back sooner rather than later as far as injury purposes go, and they didn't want to mess up the chemistry with the second unit that they had just started to develop with Lamb. So it's like, well, we'll just, you know, for a couple games, we'll play Holiday with the starters because he's done it before, and then when Vic comes back after a couple games, Holiday can go back to being the third-string point guard shooting guard that he is. But now, you know, with them really needing another shooting guard to play, I think Victor will play in this game on national TV against the Blazers on Thursday night. That's my bold prediction for this podcast. And I think the Pacers uh, will have a challenging game, especially if Damian Lillard plays. If Damian Lillard plays, this wouldn't be surprising if the Pacers lose just because they've had such a hard time with Lillard over the last couple of years. Uh, McCollum can still do his thing. I'm sure he'll go off eventually, and uh, especially without Dane. But I think this is a game the Pacers can win as well. And then they play Cleveland Saturday, Fauci. Uh, another game against Tristan Thompson and Andre Drummond, the kryptonite to the Pacers big. So uh, winning this game against Portland on Thursday is going to be huge for their confidence heading forward. It really is. I mean, this is also a Pacers team last time that gave up 139 to Portland. I mean, in the game, they scored 129, but you can't be giving up basically 140 points and expecting to win. I mean, Lillard had 50 points against the Pacers last time, so it's, uh, it's going to be a tough game. That's also a game that Jeremy Lamb had 28 in, so you know, you're missing 28 points right there, and if Oladipo doesn't play, it's going to be a tall task uh, to, to try and accomplish, but you got Reggie Miller calling the game. Hopefully that can give the Pacers some good vibes. Um, but Portland, hey, bad record, not a bad team. They just have not played well this year at all. They're better than what their record is, but, man, I, I, I don't feel too great about that game. If Oladipo does return, it'll have been basically about a week since he's been out. Back spasms is pretty tricky. You never really know. You don't want to rush it. I still feel like the Pacers have been playing Oladipo's injuries right where a night like tonight, I think 
I kind of feel like he could have maybe played, but he didn't need to play. Right. And that's what I feel good about. Well, Fletcher, you do some simple math. If Damian Lillard scored 50 and he doesn't play, that's 50 points off the Blazers' points. You take off the 28 from the Pacers, we lost by 10. That's That means we win by wow. 12. So I like I'm your okay math, Alex. I'll, 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 I'll do those basic math skills for you. I'm smarter okay. than a second grader, not a fifth grader. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, basically I'm just saying, like, I can deal with Lamb missing the game compared to Damian Lillard missing the game. Like, uh, I would much rather Damian Lillard not play this game, you know, rest up, Dame, come back fully healthy. Don't worry about this Pacers game, you know, Dame. We we saw how great you are in Portland. We don't need to see it again, Damian. Uh, you can you can miss this game. It'd be fine. We've already been gypped of seeing Zion and Luca and Anthony Davis and, and Giannis the last time, and, and Joel Embiid the two times here. So Dame, just join the group, man. Uh, just miss this game. Let the Pacers get another another W and build some more confidence heading in to their five game road trip after that. So uh, anyway, Fachi, any other thoughts from you as we kind of wrap this podcast up? No, this was just just everything that you needed to see in a bounce back performance. Because I think even if the Pacers won by like five or eight, you wouldn't have felt good about it. Yeah. You would have felt like, oh, all right, well, at least we're not, you know, dropping, you know, this game to the Hornets. But the Pacers win the season series against the Hornets, three to one. They they, they, they took care of business. It, it should have been that free throw disparity that one time in that overtime loss. That it was just insane. I know, I know. It, 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 all around, just a bad performance. But good to see the Pacers respond on a night like tonight. Hey, they get a game off, they get a night off, and then when you take on Portland, just be ready to rock again with Dame or without Dame, with Oladipo or without him. You, you can't make excuses. you got to come to play every single night. I want to see the same intensity that I saw tonight. Absolutely. So two questions for me. The first question is a serious question, and the second one is just a fun question. But the serious question which loss hurt more in Toronto? The one-point loss where they gave up the lead down the stretch in the fourth quarter or getting blown out, by the way, by 46 points? Which loss hurt the most to you? One-point loss without a doubt. The yeah. Pacers were never in that 46-point loss the other night. I mean, that one-point loss was a game that, like, I was dancing around my room. The Pacers, the 19 made threes. I mean, we're killing them. We got the lead. And then to see it crumble in front of your eyes – in the last few minutes, that was a tough one to just roll over, turn off my lamp, and go to sleep. Yeah. I what was your second question? My second question is, uh, we got our Fachi Fridays coming up this week, but I oh, want to yes, know, do. when are you recording this episode so we know what to expect from that podcast? Kind of give a little preview. Are you gonna do a, Are you going to do a recap after the Blazers game and record later, or are you going to do one beforehand? Uh, I mean, I guess I'd probably have to record one afterwards. It's going to be tricky. Uh, recording on game day is always tougher. You know, we're usually typically lucky for Tuesdays that the Pacers don't play off on Tuesdays. Thursday makes it trickier, uh, trickier. So it'll be a game time decision, but don't worry, uh, listeners. We, we will have some great content for you. You can always do a half segment uh, at the beginning or a segment at the beginning, a segment after the game. Make it quick, you know, especially if the Pacers just dominate. You'll be hyped. If they win, you'll be more hyped to record that episode and then they lose. That is a fact. That is a fact. <laughs> but don't worry. We won't leave you uh, without some setting the pace content. And we do appreciate absolutely everything that uh, you guys do. You really make the show. So 
Thanks a lot, everybody. Yeah, absolutely. So if you guys want to, you can follow us on Twitter at SettingThePace3 and over on Instagram at Pacers Talk. I'm at AlexGoldenNBA on Twitter, and Fachi is at underscore F-A-C-C-I on both Twitter and Instagram, where you can check in with Fachi and his wonderful girl, hashtag babe, and uh, you can see Fachi's takes on The Bachelor. So we will talk to you all next week. Let's go Pacers, right? Let's go Pacers. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.